electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. I help people make friends. I'm just trying to make you a little money. My job is not just to entertain, but to teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me to Kramer. Every morning. I write up a list of the stories I'm looking at in preparation for Squawk on the Street, the show I do at 9 a.m. with Carl Cantini and David Faber. You may get a truncated version in your email box every day. It's typically around 15 items, and many of them are what I call the usuals, the Crendel of Kramers, the Ally Magnificent Sevens, whatever you want to call them. They're often upgrades or price target increases for Tesla or Meta or Apple or Amazon and definitely Microsoft. I bring this up after a not-so-hot day where the Dow inched up 10 points, S&P declined 0.34%. NASDAQ shed another 0.56%. Because since the new year began, I've had this explosion of positive ideas from every nook and cranny of the market, no longer just the same in seven. Today's typical, 45 new ideas, almost all positive except a negative note on Yeti, which was slammed by an analyst due to the popularity of this new Stanley Thermos uh, competition. Meanwhile, we're seeing a host of invective toward the creme de la Kramers, including once again Apple. With still one more downgrade this morning, I wonder who's going to downgrade it next. It's becoming a common refrain of incredibly pessimistic proportions. An echo chamber of negativity, no doubt written on a Mac, told with an iPhone, read on an iPad, or listened to with second-generation AirPods. And you know what? It's fantastic for the stock market. That's right. You see, we need to have many new, fresh ideas, not just have a market controlled by an elite group of companies. That has no sustainability at this point. No longer do I have to come out here and just talk about seven stocks, plus or minus Salesforce and Sirius. Now, we no longer have two markets, the super giant tech companies and the little Lilliputians. I don't think we're going to have a total convergence. The Magnificent Seven are just too big and the rest of the market is too small. But I am saying that the Mag Seven may run in place or even work their way lower, while the rest of the market might even get stronger and certainly more rewarding on a percentage basis. I always tell people, remember that. In the end, we're trying to make our money work for us, work hard for us. To do that, you need to buy stocks that go up a great deal, not just incrementally. And the Magnificent Seven now feels very incremental, mixed up with some rather upsetting slides down. There are simply better opportunities right there, right now, out there for 2024. Let me go over what I mean. Today, a legion of research firms praise the incredibly inexpensive regional bank stocks like Comerica, Truist, Huntington Bank shares. I mean, these stocks were in the ropes 10 months ago. But reports of their demise were highly exaggerated. Now they're among the cheapest stocks in the market. Hey, there was uh, two upgrades of Market Express today. Two firms named the stock their top pick. While this stock has already rebounded a great deal off its lows, I think it could rally another 30 points from here at 187 before it gets too expensive to talk about. Oh, let me just throw in First Horizon. Regional Bank, $14 stock, got a $25 takeover bid not that long ago. It's just that the deal fell apart due to regulatory interference uh, not related at all to the acquirer, to the to the actual first horizon, but all to the acquirer. FHN, check it out. Or how about this classic recommendation we got this morning of Home Depot by Wells Fargo? Get this. 
this is a company we all know, right? The Despot, 2.47% dividend yield, one that everybody was worried about when interest rates were soaring. But now the rates are going down. It just makes so much more sense to buy Home Depot. As the report put it, and I'm going to do a little kind of like the, G, you know, the kind of Argo that they use on the street. The 24 bar is lower. Volumes are normalizing. Long-term structural tailwinds are positive. Home aging shortages, etc. In other words, buy, buy, buy. Barclays jumped on the pro Home Depot bandwagon, too, upgrading the stock. They're betting that after a turbulent period, we're going to start seeing more normal levels of demand. I agree. Hey, let me throw in another Barclays upgrade. They got behind one of the worst performers of 2023, Dollar General. Last year was a rare, it was rare to see anything good about They could not defend this. Dollar General it was too awful. And even if they did, it would fall on deaf ears. Today, that recommendation propelled the stock up three and a half bucks off a $131 basis. You just aren't getting that kind of percentage gain from the Magnificent Seven anymore, at least for now. I love, love, love this morning's recommendation of Merck from Callan. Talking about how this stock sells at 14 times earnings. Average farm and name sells for 16 times earnings. Under the hard-charging CEO Rob Davis, the current Merck is anything but below average. He's taking the money that his company makes from one of the greatest oncological franchises in the world, Keytruda, and putting it to work building out the new drug pipeline. I thought that Merck's acquisition of Prometheus Biosciences for just over $10 billion last year was a work of genius because Prometheus has a fantastic drug for irritable bowel disease, could be gigantic, and is not in the numbers. Hey, here's one from Al Leftfield, and I've created the Prosaic Allstate by Morgan Stanley. They like the insurance company because of higher rates that jumped the stock from 145 to 148.50. Hey, last year, this stock wouldn't even react to an upgrade, and buyers would remain scarce. Now probably has a multi-day move. In this market, you know what people want? They want cheap. They want value. They want the stock of an auto company that sells at less than five times earnings. They want GM. And that's what Wolf Research gave you today with a warm-up to the great auto company where they slapped it with a $42 price target. Stocks at 35 and change. Hey, ask yourself, do you think you're going to get that kind of percentage gain from a mega cap tech name? Maybe, but I think it's unlikely given how much they ran last year. Well, if they go lower, then they might be able to get it might have to happen. Finally, get this. A couple firms pushed Verizon. When was that? Honestly, can you ever remember a time that somebody did that? It, you know, not too long ago, the stock was a first-rate pariah. But now Wolf Research says the spending on 5G is finally waning. The telco balance sheets are starting to improve, and they seek Verizon as, and I quote, a glass half full that's gaining water. Hey, you know what? That makes that 6.75% yield seem, uh, well, uh, mouthwatering. <laughs> Now, I am not saying happy days are here again. Remember my position. There are too many investors who are off sides betting we'll get a slew of rate cuts this year when I simply don't see a reason for more than three. The economy is too strong to justify more than that. And there are plenty of people who still think the market is just the Magnificent Seven in France. Each day, one or two of them will pop. But you need to be wary of these upward moves, like the early morning jump in Microsoft that couldn't be sustained, even after it talked about adding a button for its artificial intelligence platform, Copilot, to the PC. Let me give you another example. Today, we learned that Amazon captured a staggering 29% of online orders during the holiday shopping season. In the old days, that might have been worth, I don't know, what do you think, five to eight points for Amazon? Well, guess what? Today, Amazon stock declined almost four bucks. That's what we're dealing with. I expect that this change in leadership will only get more pronounced as the month goes on because analysts are seeing non-tech stocks react to their positive recommendations. After years where their ideas were almost irrelevant, as the Magnificent Seven dominated no matter what, they've now rediscovered their own relevance. But the bottom line, to me as a stock picker, I think this moment's kind of oddly joyous. 
We don't want two markets, people. We want one market. Well, I'd love it to be the MAG7 and friends, and they can simply go up, say, more slowly than the other 493 stocks, the SP 500. There's just not enough money to go around. So we've got a massive rotation goal, one that isn't finished, one that could be with us for quite a long time, until the people who own the Magnificent Seven but don't know what half of them do get blown out, and it'll happen at lower prices. How about Bill in Massachusetts? Bill. Booyah, Mr. Kramer. Booyah. Booyah, Bill. What's happening? Uh, I had a question for you about Danaher. I, yeah, I sure. got some at 190. It's going great, and I wanted to know your opinion. Okay, first of all, congratulations. I got some much higher, and then I bought some lower, but you did a lot better than I did for the Chapel Trust. But I will tell you this. When I listen to what a Bristol-Myers is doing or a Merck's doing, they're buying these biotech companies. They're going to have to buy a ton of equipment from Danaher. That's why the stock's been red hot. That's why I think the stock is back after being away for a long time. That's why I think Danaher should be bought. How about Ryan in Connecticut? Ryan. Hey, Jim, thanks for taking my call. I'd like to give a special shout-out to my wife, Amanda. I'm liking that. I'm liking that kind of what, you know, hey, I'm giving a shout out to Lisa, my wife. She doesn't even know I have a show. What's going on? <laughs> um, so the stock I'm looking at has the CFO buying shares currently, the PE sitting at 14, which is significantly less than the 15-year average, 10-year average, and slightly less than the three-year average. Um, is this undervalued or am I missing something? And should I be a buyer or should I be more patient in regards to FedEx? And when's the next book coming out, Jimmy? Oh, well, actually, yeah, that's a secret. Um, I happen to think that FedEx, I love the CEO of FedEx, and the fact that the stock really didn't get hit if they missed the quarter, what does that tell you? It tells me that Raj Subramanian is the superman who is going to get FedEx to be on track. I wish we owned it for the Travel Trust. 13 times earnings, you got a winner. Philip in Michigan, Philip. Hey, good, uh, good, good evening, Jim. Hey, Philip, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Booyah. Booyah to you. I just wanted to give a shout out to uh, your staff, uh, particularly uh, Zeb. I really appreciate the work that he does. Totally unbelievable. Make me look great. I am really a marionette in the, in, in, when it comes to the staff. You know, um, you know the economy is uh, potentially looking like it's going to go back up. It's what the uh, Fed's potential potentially uh, raising rates here in the near. I'm sorry, lowering rates in the near future. Okay. okay. Um, so I was looking to make a more my, make my portfolio is more industrial. And so I was looking at Dow Chemical. I know you love Jim Fittering, so I was just um, wondering your thoughts on that. Okay. Um, you know, I saw RPM be down today. It's a chemical company that I like very much, and it got me thinking, all right, don't be too aggressive with the chemicals, but that is a higher multiple that, that has a higher pressure multiple than Dow. I like your call on Dow. It yields five. I think that Jim is going to do a great job this year. By the way, for those who are technically inclined, it's one of the greatest reverse head and shoulders I have seen in ages. <laughs> Emily in Arkansas. Emily. Hi, Jim. You and Jeff are great with the Investing Club, and your Mad Money staff is the best. Thank you very much. We are very, very good. I always like these comments because, you know, these people work incredibly hard, and they make me look good every day. How can I help you, Emily? I have held some Cisco stock, CSCO, for quite Mm -hmm. some time, and I still have a small loss. Um, Do you see a catalyst that would move the stock higher in the near future? Uh, Not this quarter. Not this quarter, Emily. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but uh, no, not this quarter. I think that you're going to have to have another quarter and maybe two quarters before that stock can really make a run. It does yield 3%. Chuck Robbins is terrific, but that last quarter, did it was a, a letdown. What can I say? Hey, you know what? We're not done with questions. I'm going to take questions from now until the cows come home. I'm going to go to Trey in Texas. Trey. 
Booyah to you and happy new year, Jim. Hey, Mooyah. That was something my daughter sent me today. She saw a sign in print and said, Mooyah. I may have to just change that you know, on a Thursday. Special Mooyah day. What's going on? Hey, so I enjoyed a James Bond marathon over the holidays, and it got me thinking about these two questions. First, has anyone ever told you you look like a young Pierce Brosnan? And second, is Paramount to buy on potential M&A opportunities with other streaming? Oh, what was that first question platform? again? I want to hear that really slow, <laughs> slow time. It just, um, no, no, Paramount, I don't like the debt load. Uh, Pierce Brosnan, of course. I mean, that's like the coolest guy on earth. Can I have more questions? Because there might be a question about the late Sean, Sean Connor, who I really love. Okay, that is it. That's the end. All right. People are warming up to the rest of the market outside of the Magnificent Seven. And as a stock picker who reminds people of Pierce Brosnan, I find this moment oddly joyous because we don't want two markets. We only want one. Well, man, tonight we've covered the best of the S&P and Dow. Who reigns supreme in the NASDAQ 2023? I'm revealing the top performers. Then it's just as important to analyze the losers, isn't it? So I'm revealing the names of who landed at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, the NASDAQ Nats in 2023. So we can figure out what could happen in 2024. And just ahead of one of the biggest and best healthcare conferences in the country, I'm getting a preview right before I'm chipped to the conference with J.P. Morgan healthcare analyst Lisa Gill. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on X. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Mentions. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact, smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. I've been going over last year's best and worst performers because you can't figure out where the market's headed unless we understand where we're coming from. We've gone through the Dow and the S&P. So tonight, let's talk about the NASDAQ 100, starting with the winners. And then we're going to come back to losers after the break. After a hideous performance in 2022, the tech-heavy NASDAQ 100 rallied 54% last year, hitting new all-time highs in the final weeks of December. And we can learn a lot 
from the biggest winners in the NAS. Yep, the top two are NVIDIA and Meta Platforms, which I already covered last night because they're also the top two in the SP500. So why don't we do this? Let's jump to the third best performer in the NASDAQ 100, and that's CrowdStrike, up 142%. Wall Street's been so focused on AI that people end up ignoring the remarkable bull market in cybersecurity, which, by the way, uses a lot of AI. We have new SEC rules that require publicly traded companies to disclose cybersecurity incidents within days of discovering them. Since then, we've heard about tons of high-profile data breaches, like Clorox, uh, MGM Resorts, Caesars, Johnson Controls, and then VF Corp, which just got hit last month. Sometimes these cyber attacks turn into major corporate sabotage because the hackers usually want a ransom, and some companies won't pay. That happened to Clorox last year. I'm a big believer in the idea that the hackers are like any other kind of criminal and that they prefer to go after soft targets, the digital equivalent of people who leave their cars unlocked at the mall. That creates more of an incentive for businesses to bring in the best cybersecurity software. And along with Palo Alto Networks, CrowdStrike's best of breed. When we spoke to CEO George Kurtz after he delivered yet another record quarter in November, he explained that CrowdStrike's winning as a consolidator in the industry, with customers eager to switch from multiple vendors to fewer, stronger, more comprehensive players that can offer more hands-on help. Best thing about CrowdStrike, though, is that it always beats expectations. Hundo P! This company's beaten the sales and earnings estimates every single quarter since it came public in 2019. Every single one. And that's why the stock always ends up looking cheaper in retrospect, because the real earnings consistently come in much higher than the estimates. For example, CrowdStrike is selling for 66 times this year's earnings estimates, which seems expensive. But I'm betting those estimates are way too low. That's it. Well, I think CrowdStrike's a winner long term. Maybe the stock needs a breather in the near term, given its monster run last year. If it pulls back too much before the next earnings report in early March... By the way, the Nasdaq 100's fifth best performer is Palo Alto Networks, the other best to breed cybersecurity play I just mentioned a minute ago. We own it for the Chapel Trust. It was up a cool 111% last year. PANW shares initially sold off in response to the company's last report in mid-November. The issue ostensibly was a billings guidance miss. But CEO Nikesh Arora came on this show and said that night, uh, that there was no problem with demand here. The billings forecast seemed light because Palo Alto started offering customers different types of contract structures. While the stock still sold off more than 5% the next day, we hammered you to buy it because it quickly came roaring back. You could have bought it in the low 240s back then and now it's at 283. Now, just like CrowdStrike and the Magnificent Seven, I think Palo Alto will keep pulling back for you know, a bit, and that's why we trimmed some for the Chapel Trust on Tuesday. Highly unlikely for us to do, but we did because it's run so much. But make no mistake, the cybersecurity theme is here to stay, and I'd love to buy this one back at a lower level. Bet against the cash Aurora at your own risk. Next, we skipped over the fourth best performer in the NASDAQ 100, which is AMD, up more than 127%. Whole semiconductor complex caught fire last year because it became clear the industry was bottoming, especially the PCs, right? AMD in particular got some great news last month when they rolled out their new rival to NVIDIA's ultra-high-powered chips for artificial intelligence. AMD thinks these new chips can do a billion dollars in sales by the middle of this year. While NVIDIA is still the best of breed AI play, I've always said that the only semiconductor company with a chance to catch up is the fabulous AMD and Lisa Sue. Plus, the personal computer business seems primed for a major rebound. That's a huge source of business for them. That Microsoft button that we talked about today, that could be important for a refresh. So I like AMD long term and I like the semis for 2024. But again, I'm respecting the tape. Since the new year, the semis have gotten slammed. Let the pullback happen for heaven's sake. Maybe you'll get things at a discount. You don't need to buy right here. 
In sixth place, there's MongoDB, up nearly 108%. This is an enterprise software play. Their Atlas Cloud database product proved to be a big hit with companies that running generative AI workloads. And that's why MongoDB's earnings exploded. They earned 81 cents per share in the fiscal year ending last January. And it looks like they'll be making $2.93 per share in the fiscal year ending this month. Wow! It's a fine story. And I am a big fan of MongoDB CEO Dev Itichiria. But... It's worth noting that most of the stock's gains were achieved by the halfway mark in 2023. See, what you want to do is you want to avoid a situation where they all came here and then they did nothing. It's actually been more or less flat for the past seven months. I don't like that, okay? In fact, yesterday, UBS downgraded MongoDB from buy to neutral while slashing its price target. UBS still sees Mongo as a durable, long-term 30% grower. Nothing to sneeze at or cough at since everyone's coughing. But after last year's monster gain, these analysts want to take their foot off the accelerator. Makes sense to be, let's say, disciplined. I think it's a good summary of what's happening here. If you like MongoDB, and I certainly do like it, I'm betting you'll be able to chance, yeah, maybe you can buy it somewhere around here. It's not unusual. These stocks can have these kinds of declines. Finally, in seventh place in the NASDAQ 100, DoorDash, up almost 103%. Now, alongside Uber, DoorDash emerged from the pandemic with enough market share in the food delivery business that it can now operate as kind of an oligopolist, frankly. Also, like Uber, DoorDash has pivoted to profitability in a major way, all while continuing to post solid mid-20s revenue growth. If you put a gun to my head, I'd say, take that gun away from my head, idiot. But then I'd also add that I'd go with Uber over DoorDash because Uber's also the king of its core rideshare business. But in the end, food delivery has become an entrenched behavior. It's one of the things that didn't really change uh, back post-COVID. And DoorDash is one of the few good ways to play it. That said, like all the other big winners in NASDAQ 100, you might want to lay this one to come in, too. I am, a, I, I am circumspect about the NAS. Bottom line, NASDAQ 100 has some huge winners, but this is the time of year when people ring the register on their best performers. So let's be patient. Stick around after the break to hear about the five worst performers of the index and see which of them can play catch-up. Dead Money is back after the break. Coming up, they're the Nats of the NASDAQ. These stocks weren't buzzing in 2023. Will the new year give them wings? Stick with Kramer. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. You've heard of the dogs of the Dow. Well, now I want to talk to you about the Nats of the Nasdaq, the worst performers in the Nasdaq 100 for 2023. Just like the dogs of the Dow, maybe just maybe there are some quality stocks here that are ready to make a comeback. Now, the worst performer in the Nasdaq 100 last year was none other than Moderna, which I highlighted last night because it was also the fourth worst in the S&P. 
So we'll start with the second worst then. You know what? We're going to start with this company called Illumina. It's down just over 31%. The company makes diagnostic equipment. It's a leader in DNA sequencing. And on the surface, it's very similar to Moderna because it was a huge winner during the pandemic. It failed to find its next act. However, the Illumina story is a lot more complicated. The company's been in this weird state of limbo for a couple of years now. In 2020, they announced the $7 billion acquisition of a company called Grail, which makes screening tests for multiple types of cancer. I was very excited about this deal. Closed in 2021. But then the FTC and its European counterpart challenged it after the fact. Since then, they've been fighting it out in the courts with Illumina only losing to the FTC in a federal appeals court last month. Big decision. The next day, Illumina said it would sell the Grail business, which was actually a positive catalyst for the stock, which has been rebounding like crazy from its November lows. If the Grail saga was the only problem for Illumina, I'd be tempted to kick the tires here. Unfortunately, it's not. Last year, Carl Icahn, the famous activist investor, entered the fray, launching a proxy contest and urging the company to sell Grail. Uh, fire the CEO and then make some major changes. He was partially successful. He got one of his people on the board last May, and the CEO was pushed out shortly thereafter. Back in September, Icon said the new CEO, uh, Jacob Thaisen, had his, and I quote, full support. But after the court decision in the Grail divestiture last month, we started hearing reports that Icon might launch another proxy contest to take control of Illumina. Maybe he'll win completely this time, and it'll certainly be good for the business. For me, though, the story's still too uncertain and too messy. TD Cowan just downgraded from outperformed the market performed this very morning. They're still optimistic on the business, but don't like the risk-reward given how much the stock's run from its November lows. I say, got to wait for more clarity here. Third worst performer in the NASDAQ 100 is... Well, let's talk about Red Hot Griddle, Walgreens Boots Alliance. I covered on Tuesday because it was also the worst performer in the, in the Dow. While the company reported a better than expected quarter this very morning, it also cut its dividend nearly in half, crushing the stock. That said, you know what? I was actually encouraged by the strong numbers. See, the dividend cut as a rational move by new CEO Tim Wentworth. Might be worth a second look here, especially now that the stock's been obliterated. I have to tell you, I am very intrigued about Walgreens right here. Mostly because Wentworth is a total pro, seasoned operator. I like that. Next on the NASDAQ, NASDAQ. List, we've got multiple utilities. There are only four utilities in the entire index, yet three of them were among the year's worst performers. Exelon down 17%, the fourth worst performer. Mark Electric Power down 14.5%, fifth worst. And XL Energy, XCEL Energy, down nearly 12%, the seventh worst performer. I'm not surprised given that these are all dividend stocks and the yield place got killed last year thanks to the relentless rise in interest rates, at least until they peaked in October. And the whole situation turned around. If you believe long-term rates have truly peaked and the Fed's ready to start cutting short rates, then this could be a great year for the utilities. Now, the worst of the group, Exelon, actually didn't bottom in October because the stock got hit again in December when they got an unfavorable rates decision from the state of Illinois. Very troubled, uh, let's say it's just a hornet's nest when it comes to the government there. One of their most important markets is the parent company of Chicago uh, utility, ComEd. Exelon stock fell from 41 to 34 in response, although it's now rebounded to $36. I do think this is a solid company operating in some strong markets like Philly, Washington, D.C., and Baltimore. Stock now yields just under 4%, but the Illinois decision was a real negative, a shocker, frankly. So let's see how much this hurts Exelon's earnings before we pull the trigger here. Now, I feel much better about recommending American Electric Power, AEP, even after the stock's rally from $69 and change to the mid-80s today. We spoke to AEP CEO Julie Sloat after the company reported a really good quarter in November. Of course, it didn't matter because all that matters is the Fed when it comes to this stuff. But she did say AEP's strong results were driven by excellent commercial load growth. I like that. Thanks to healthy economic growth in her service areas across the eastern Midwest, as well as Texas, Oklahoma, and Louisiana. You could do worse than those markets. Specifically, Sloat called out data centers, especially in Texas. AEP has an even better 4.2% yield. I think it's much safer bet right now than Exelon. How about XL Energy? All right, I don't follow these guys closely. They serve three 
3.8 million electric customers, 2.1 million net gas customers across eight states, upper Midwest and Southwest. I do prefer American Electric Power, but XL seems fine, even if it's only got a 3.25% yield. While it's not my favorite, it's a winner if the interest rates keep falling. Finally, the sixth worst performer in the NASDAQ 100 was PayPal. PayPal. Yeah, down nearly 14%. While there are all sorts of tech winners in 2023, few fintech stocks participate in the rally. And by the way, in 2024, it's all regular, regular fins, not fintech. Frankly, I have a bad history with PayPal. We used to own it for the Chapel Trust, then sold it at a loss nearly two years ago when the stock was in the 80s. It was tough to swallow at the time, but given that the stock's now fallen to the high 50s, selling was clearly the right thing, even though buying it was horrendous. Hey, look, when I talk about my winners, I got to talk about my losers. PayPal's a loser. You can make an argument that PayPal's become cheap as the stock now sells for just 10 times this year's earnings estimates, but I don't know. It could be a value trap. The company also has this new CEO, Alex Chris. He's recruited from Intuit. That's a company I like very much. But I can't make a good fundamental investment case for PayPal right now. Uh, at the end of the day, their core digital payments offering is no longer special. They're being challenged by Apple, Amazon, two companies it's very hard to compete against. Meanwhile, PayPal never really found a way to make much money off this Venmo. It's popular peer-to-peer payments platform that's now going up against Blocks, Cash App, not to mention Zelle, which is owned by a consortium of old-school banks. Yeah, they got into buy now, pay later, but I got to ask you something. Who hasn't at this point? Best thing I can say for PayPal right now is that Alex Chris should come on the show and tell us why he thinks the stock should be bought. Until then, I say sidelines. Bottom line, we've now gone through the best and the worst of the Dow, the S&P, and the NAS. So now you know where we're coming from. You got a better idea of what might work in 2024, which is the real $64,000 question here. NASDAQ Nats, indeed. Or Bill in Arizona, Bill. Yes. Booyah. Booyah, Bill. Yeah, I'm interested in two banks. I've uh, Banks have been a dog for the last year, but they look like they're coming back. And I've got an interest in uh, Citizens Financial, CFG, and KeyCorp, K-E-Y, and I was wondering whether it was time to hold, buy, or sell. I want you to buy Key Corp. I, Citizens Financial is a little too murky. Key has a very good neighborhood. Really, I love the area because it's a big footprint. I think I like the dividend, and I think it's very well run. Citizens Financial is a, kind of a little too opaque for me, so to speak. Let's skip that one. All right. Now that we've gone through the best and worst names from the major indices in 2023, I hope you have a sense of what m- might work this year because that's the big question moving forward. Much more mid-money in. Early next week, we're going to be heading to the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference in San Fran, where we'll be talking to the CEOs of Walgreens, CVS, Eli Lilly, and many more incredible names. So before we head out there, I'm going to get a preview of what we can talk about, what we get, what we're going to see from J.P. Morgan's best healthcare analyst, Lisa Gill. Then France's largest grocery store, Carrefour, is doing away with PepsiCo products, setting high prices. So could this be the beginning of what it takes to bring down worldwide inflation, I'll give you, at least at the grocery store? I'll give you my take. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. one of the great things we do that makes me love my job. Next week, we're heading to San Francisco for the annual J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference, and it's just jam-packed with huge analysis. This is an interesting time for the healthcare stocks, offering tempting prices, many of which have underperformed last year. We're also in election year, though, and drug companies tend to get targeted. There's so much to cover, from the government now having the ability to negotiate Medicare prices, assuming that doesn't get struck down by the courts, to the rise of these GOP diabetes and weight loss drugs. And that's why we want to get a head start 
we want to talk with Lisa Gill, Managing Director and Head of the Healthcare Services Equity Research Team at J.P. Morgan, who's one of the hosts of the conference, and she does an amazing job. Ms. Gill, welcome back to Mad Money. Well, thank you, as always, for having me. This is one of my favorite days of the year. Absolutely. Well, I'm so thrilled you're here because I want you to tell people exactly I mean, the stuff that you're going to cover this year is yeah. just all fireworks. Why don't you give us some of the themes? Yeah, so um, you talked about GLP-1s. Yeah. I'm very excited. We have a great panel on GLP-1s this year. We're going to have a doctor who actually prescribes GLP-1s. Okay. We'll have ICER, who's going to talk about pricing on GLP-1s. Wow. And the employer perspective, Morgan Health. We'll have Dan Mendelson from Morgan Health give the employer perspective. So that's one thing I'm really excited about. We'll also have another, um, what we call the RX channel and healthcare supply chain of okay. what's going on in the real world, um, where we have a number of people from D.C., uh, farm, representing pharma, the PBMs, et cetera. Because as you talked about, there's a lot of change going on. Well, I mean, look, we had uh, Walgreens today, and it's yeah. Tim Wentworth, whom you and I both know, yeah. is a terrific CEO. Stock was down horribly. They're moving quickly into healthcare, like CVS. Yeah. I mean, will we be able to talk about whether that's a smart move or not? It is a smart move. And, and I will tell you, you and I spoke when I upgraded Walgreens in October. Yeah. I upgraded Walgreens on the premise that I really believe in Tim. And, and I think there's not a lot of people that know him like you and I do. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was a former executive at Medco, went from Medco to Express Scripts, Express Scripts to Cigna. Win, win, win. And, and what I will tell you is that Walgreens, and I sat here last year and I said I was super excited about John Driscoll, right? Right. Here we sit a year later, and, and I never upgraded the stock. Why? Because only the CEO can really, truly drive the strategy, right? You can have great leaders underneath you, Jim, right. but, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's driven by the CEO. When I look at Tim, he is the first CEO of Walgreens that actually understands what people are doing on the other side of the table. PBMs, managed care, et cetera. Right. Honestly, you know, when the stock was down 11% today, it kind of crushed me a little bit. No, no, so no. You have told high. people the dividend's <laughs> in danger. You have, I, I think that you're too hard on yourself, as you always are. This is when you want to start thinking yes, about no, it. I agree. But being down five, I said to myself, if it can end down five today, I think that's a great entry point. Okay. Now, uh, CBS, Walgreens, they're both trying to get away from just yeah. the front of the store, which is obviously difficult. It is. Do they have good plans? Is that going to work? I think it is. I mean, I, I think one of the things to think about when you think about pharmacy, it's the highest touch point of anything in healthcare. It's been proven time and time again that if you can keep a patient adherent on the medication, and think about GLP-1s, right? It's all the rage right now. But right. keeping a person adherent to the GLP-1 is what's going to be most important. And so at the end of the day, when you think about chronic conditions, whether it's diabetes, cardiovascular disease, obesity, um, even depression, you need that person to stay on their drugs and you need to change the model. And so you heard CBS at their analyst day a few weeks ago talk about changing this model. And we right. really think that it comes to transparency. It comes to the consumer being at the center of all things, which we've said right. for years. And so they have to do this. And, you know, again, the front end is becoming less and less important. Well, you look, we, had, we met with Andy Jassy from yeah. Amazon. He's destroying the front end. He wants to destroy the back end. Can he do it? <laughs> you mean on pharmacy? Yeah. yeah. Um, listen, I think there'll be lots of competitors. I, right. I think that what companies like Amazon do is make these other companies smarter, right? Yes. So if you never have evolution, if you never have disruption, Staying in the same place is never good for anybody. Okay. Now, look, one of the things that you cover that nobody else does is surgery. The need yeah. for more surgery. People getting more surgeries. You know, surgery partners. Yeah. We're going to hear more about that. Is that, a, yeah. is that an actual secular change, what people do to their bodies? It's not so much that. It's the site of care. So the, the interesting part about surgery partners is this shift to uh, ambulatory surgery centers. So out of the hospital, which is a really high-cost setting. Right. 
into the, the ambulatory surgery centers. They cost 25 to 40 percent less than the hospital for the same exact surgical procedure. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so that we got to obviously follow that. Now, we did have this Lily news today, Lily Direct. Yes. It, initially, it seemed like a big deal. In, in the end, isn't this David Ricks, the CEO, trying to make it so wherever you want it, you can get it? I think what it really is at the end of the day is coming back to that whole idea of the biggest disruptor in healthcare is yeah. the consumer. Right. And so I also think, I think there's two things going on here, right? One, that they want to try to keep people compliant on a medication. They talk about compliance right. so, within right. those programs. Two, when you look at the drugs that are actually on there, they're mostly older insulin drugs um, and, and their new weight loss drug, right? Now, I think what they want to do is they want to shift people from getting that weight loss drug at some random place to a right. place that they can control it, right? Because the last thing you want is that you don't know, and again, coming back to adherence, you take a weight loss drug, doesn't work, Lily doesn't want that. So no. they, want, they want to have more control over that channel, in my opinion. Understood. Now, election year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Look, all these companies, I was shocked when Medicare, when these companies are like, I had Rob Davis on from Merck. He's like, you're a terrific CEO. Suddenly, they're doing stuff they have to twist because of Medicare. Yeah. I mean, is it real? Will the courts hold this thing up, do you think? Well, you're talking about the inflation reduction. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, there's some but talk about if we have a change in, in the administration, that perhaps the next administration, if it's not the current right. administration, tries to make some changes. I think there were a lot of unintended consequences for example, you look at within the Inflation Reduction Act, what happened with the prescription drug benefit, right? PDP right. for grandma. Her previously, her premium was about $34 a month under the new Inflation Reduction Act because she will pay out of po- less out of pocket ultimately, but her premium is going to go up by 85%. <laughs> so it's going to be like $70 a well, month. Well, look, you're going to flush all this stuff out, right? Well, we will Every, next week. And I love the <laughs> fact that you have an employer because uh, on the GLPs. Yeah. So I want to know if... if, if we, te- we didn't put the manufacturer on there no, no, I like want the, we, we I want want the, the payers. Yes, we want payer. We want the payer perspective, and we want the prescriber perspective. Well, nobody does this like you. Mm-hmm. I was telling you before we were speaking on air, this mm-hmm. is where everybody is, and there's deals made, and yeah. there will be announcements of things that we don't know or every yeah. year, right? There usually is. I mean, I think if I look back to last year, CVS had said, hey, we're going to do an acquisition in I the know. physician area. And while it wasn't announced at our conference, it was pretty clear that they were going to buy Oak Street, right? right. Well, that's just what, this is what we want to find so, out. And you've made a lot of money for people. But I know what we're going to be focused on are, are all these yep. companies, but always through the prism of what you tell us. It's Lisa Gill, J.P. Morgan's head of healthcare services, equity research, ahead of the big conference next week. Man, buddy's back here for the break. Coming up, pop open those umbrellas and tee up your toughest questions. Kramer takes on all comers in the lightning round. Next. It is time. It's time for the lightning round. That's right. I'm going to be sitting between my bye bye to you and plan it so. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski deck. Time for the lightning round. I'm going to start with Brandon in your Brandon. We are, Jim. We are. How are you doing? Not bad. How about you? Again, I'm calling about City. Take a seat. I, I, everybody loves City all of a sudden. 37, 38. Where were they? Now it's all the way up to 53. I say Ixnay, City, Nay. So, I so, like so. Wells bye, Fargo. Bye, bye. Charlie Sharp, he'd be the man. Let's go to Victor in Virginia. Victor! Hey, Mr. Kramer, this is Victor in Virginia. I want to know your thoughts about, well, uh, about 
Altria Group. Uh, All right. I don't, recommend it. I don't recommend the tobacco companies. I know you can get a 9.5% yield, but that does not entice me. I don't recommend them. Let's go to Scott in Indiana. Scott. Hey, Jim. First time caller. I'm looking at YRZB. Want to know if you think that's a buy? That ship has sailed, my friend. Bristol Myers bought them, and it's one of the reasons why I'm warming up to Bristol Myers because it's one of two drug companies they just bought recently that I like very much. Stay tuned to next week's J.P. Morgan conference. Why don't we go to August in Pennsylvania? August. Hey, hey, Jim. Big booyah from the great state and beautiful state of Pennsylvania. You betcha. My question, my question is regarding Panacea Technology (PLCR). Yeah, they ought to come on. They ought to come on. I got to tell you, they thought I hated them. I didn't hate them. There's no animus there. What are they like? They're not the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, they should come on the show and talk about that last quarter. It's pretty good. Let's go to Juan in Nevada. Juan. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, my friend. Thank you. You are in Karnak of the stock market. I need some help uh, knowing what you think of uh, stock I'm in, LAD, Lithia Automotive. Okay, you know, we had them on. We had Brian DeBoer on from Medford, where my daughter used to live. And what's incredible is that stock took off on what was not a great quarter. I happen to like the auto dealers here. I like CarMax, the Magnificent. (laughs) Couldn't resist. And then I like Lithia. Let's go to Caroline in New York. Caroline. This is Caroline. Caroline. Hi, Jim. How are you? I'm good, Caroline. How are you doing? Talk to you. This is great. Thank you. I've been following you since uh, the street.com days. Oh, my. I mean, I, you know, I owned the boulevard, the street, the avenue. I bought them all up. I fooled everybody. And then I called it the street. True story. What's going on? Okay. Uh, I heard what you said about General Electric this morning. So yes. I'd like to know uh, more about why you like it. Okay, because first of all, Larry Culp is running the company. I mean, the guy is the most dedicated. I've just, I think the world of the guy, you ought to come on the show, has been a little absent lately, hurt my feelings. They are doing some great things with aerospace. They are an inexpensive stock, even up here. Candidly, I have to say, I own the stock. I got it from when I used to work with, uh, uh, I used to work with uh, General Electric, and I, not a big position, but I, I do like to mention and disclose everything. I own, I own Comcast. But these guys are the real deal. I like them even more than Boeing. I like aerospace. Play it with that one. And let's go to George in Massachusetts. George. Hi, Jim. Um, I own stock in an oil company where the analysts are expecting uh, both revenue and earnings per share to be up 20, about 25% this year. The stock is selling at about six times earnings, and there's been a huge amount of insider buying recently. So when it comes to Matador Resources, are you a bull? I, oh, my. I can't resist. This fellow's got a little sense of humor going there. I happen to like the company. I, I like Matador. But remember, I am in the end of a, 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 a Kotara person. C-T-R-A. Kotara. Let's go to Devin in West Virginia. Devin. Hey, Jim Booyah. How you doing? Well, this I'm doing well. How about you, Kev? Doing great. Hey, yeah, thanks for taking my call. Of course. I've been watching you for years and really want to thank you for all the hard work you do for us home gamers. Oh, thank you, man. Doing my best. Appreciate it. Thank you. What's up? Yeah, I got a question regarding, I, I took a small position in a stock after it was split off from its parent company and uh, wanted to get your thoughts on KLG. 
Okay, now, it's a complicated story. And the reason why it's complicated is because it doesn't have a lot of growth and it doesn't have a lot of yield. I actually prefer the Calanova to that one, if you want to know the truth. But I'm not jumping up and down on any food stocks right here. And that, ladies and gentlemen, good of the lightning round. Coming up, pardon my French, inflation's battlefield has reached the city of love, and one major retailer is leading the charge. Kramer explains next. It sure took long enough. I'm talking about a major retailer finally pushing back when a large consumer products company tries to raise prices. Today, we learned that Carrefour, a gigantic French grocer, over 14,000 stores, told customers that it won't sell PepsiCo goods because Pep's price hikes have made the products too expensive. They don't want the soda. They don't want laced potato chips either. According to Reuters, beginning today, Carrefour's shelves that still have PepsiCo products in France, Italy, Spain, and Belgium will be accompanied by a notice saying, and I quote, we are no longer selling this brand due to unacceptable price increases, end quote. To which I say, what did take so long? Hardly a day goes by in our house without my wife complaining about the high price of everything at the supermarket. Last night, she showed me a ruby red grapefruit she bought for me. She asked me how much I thought it was. I said a buck ninety nine because I know I used to pay t- get two for two bucks for ages and ages. I'm no dummy, but I know prices are way up. She laughed. She told me, are you kidding? The grapefruit. One grapefruit is now $3.99. Now, I'm lucky enough that I can afford these price increases, even though it bothers me on a visceral level. But I, I wanted to know, why hasn't someone put their foot down and said enough is enough? Now, I know Costco has always been willing to fight for you, fight for the consumer. One reason why they announced this strong December monthly sales this very evening up 8.5%. Costco is a club, and it makes the biggest money off the membership card, which I regard as an incredible bargain, not unlike Amazon Prime. Costco also makes its own products under the Kirkland Signature brand. I find their homemade products are often superior to the big-name branded stuff at a fraction of the price. They keep prices lower. But Carrefour is playing hardball. In the only area where even Costco hasn't been able to successfully rival and undercut the household names, in carbonated soda. That's right. Costco's failed when it tried to do that. Will it matter? Look, those who believe blithely that the Fed's going to repeatedly cut interest rates this year, they're really going to go to the supermarket. The true inflation battleground for most Americans and Europeans. When I look at the numbers for most consumer product companies, I always see the same thing. Higher prices and lower vibes. But the price hikes have gone up so much that they make up for the, for the decline in volume. This is the kind of core inflation that can be really sticky. You need a car for mindset to beat it. Makes sense that the pushback started in France, where the whole country riots every time the government tries to raise taxes on gasoline or slightly cut back on public pensions. Of course, in truth, you actually don't need to buy Pepsi products. You can drink water. You can certainly skip Doritos. And yes, if you take a GLP-1 drug, like the one that Eli Lilly just made so easy to get with its direct consumer initiative today, the old lace tagline is literally true. You can't eat just one because you don't want to eat any. Listen, as long as we have strong employment, and we still do, it'll be difficult for retailers to push back on pricing like Carrefour. People want variety at the supermarket. If they have the money, they're going to shrug their shoulders and buy what they want. But if every grocer were to have the business model of Costco or the guts of Carrefour, we'd see prices coming down all over the place. Everyone in the food chain, so to speak, would make less money, which could hurt the stocks. But the real inflation, 
the one we see every day would finally go down. And maybe, just maybe, we go back to paying two bucks for two delicious ruby red grapefruits. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. Last call starts now. All opinions expressed by Jim Cramer on this podcast are solely Cramer's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by Cramer on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Jim Cramer as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Cramer's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warn its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Mad Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash disclaimer. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com.